Hey, Future TV Boy here. So, um, we actually ended up recording about two and a half hours of content for this episode because we did what I promised we wouldn't do, which is uh, we ended up getting into the weeds and doing win rates and stats for each individual card that we wanted to talk about. Um, so that ended up going way over time without me realizing it. So what we're going to do here is we're going to be splitting this episode up into two parts. So the first part is going to be the main episode with all the segments and also going to go into some of the high level stats like faction stats and activation counts, stuff like that. And then part two, which will come out the following day, is going to have more, we're going to really get into the weeds with individual cards for each faction, top cards in the faction, um, going over their win rates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it'll be, uh, that way you can just, if you're just not interested in all that, you can just listen to the main episode in part one, and then if you're really interested in the stats and you're a stats nerd like me uh, for ICP Skirmish, uh, then you can listen to part two and, and listen to us talk about that. Alright, on to the show. Welcome to Rebel High Command Cast, an Imperial Assault podcast for 2022 and beyond. This podcast is hosted by the Ike Command YouTube channel and sponsored by listeners like you through Patreon. This is episode 6. I am your host, TV Boy, a.k.a. Noah, and I am jo- joined by my co-host today, the Second Flock, a.k.a. Wesley. Wesley, how you doing? Hey, everyone. Doing great. No, it's been a little bit, but I uh, had to... A- Go lick my wounds after my recent tourney loss, and now I'm back and ready to talk some more IACP. Yeah, so we missed the uh, last two weeks. Um, we had the tournament on t- October 22nd, so we skipped recording our usual episodes so we could live stream that. And then last weekend we tried to record, but I woke up with uh, no voice on account of being sick uh, Sunday morning. So it's taken about a week for my voice to heal. Um, and still, you, you probably probably noticed it's not quite 100 percent yet, but I can at least talk today. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have an interesting episode. We're gonna t- be talking about uh, data from season seven. From we've now had two tournaments, and um, we've had a lot of league games and just people playing playtest games uh, and sending in vassal logs to me. So we've got about 90 games worth of data to go through and. Um, just a little peek into what the meta is going to look like. Um, but before we do that, uh, I have some community updates. And so I need to start off here with an apology. And please bear with me. This will take a minute, but I won't repeat this message in future episodes. So I appreciate you listening to this just once. You see, this podcast and my YouTube channel are sponsored, but not by any business right now. They are only sponsored by listeners and viewers just like you. And I have not been giving my patrons the credit they deserve for keeping this channel going, because literally the only reason that I am motivated to keep making content for this game is knowing that it is valuable enough to people that they are willing to financially support this channel and this podcast with a small amount of their hard-earned money. So my apology is to my patrons, and I have not done enough to recognize your contributions, which are immeasurable in how important they are to me as a content creator. So a huge thank you to Jessica, Robert, Loop FZ, Derek, Benjamin, and Sean. This content would not exist without your support. And I'm going to admit, money is starting to get tight right now. My family is going through a transition period, and every hour I spend on making IA content 
I am painfully aware that it is time that is not bringing the much-needed money back to my family. And not only that, it often eats into our finances when I have to pay for hosting services or prize support or making sure that my contributors are compensated for their time or any of the other costs I have to incur for equipment or software. And I want you all to know that if you choose to become a patron of this content by going to www.patreon.com slash iacommand, 100% of your donations go right back into the Imperial Assault community and the channel. It all goes back into the community. If you aren't able to support the channel financially, there is another easy way to support us and help this channel and this game grow. This past month, over 71% of my channel's viewers were unsubscribed. If you watch my content, please consider hitting that subscribe button. It's completely free on YouTube, and growing, <coughs> growing the channel will actually help the community by making this game more visible to even more players. Right now, I'm about 270 subscribers away from 1,000 subscribers, which will mean that I get to collect the money on the ads that YouTube runs on my videos. That's right, if you had to watch an ad on one of my videos, I didn't get paid for that. YouTube did. And we'll keep getting paid for my videos until we get this channel to 1,000 subscribers. And if you're already subscribed, you can still help the channel for free by hitting the like button and leaving a comment on this video or any video on my channel you haven't commented on already. That will boost the channel's visibility to more people through YouTube's algorithms. Any comment is helpful whether it's praise or a question or criticism. Just please be kind. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the community updates and the rest of the show. Here are your community updates. Just a few over on the rest of the channel. I've been uploading the top 8 games from the recent competitive Vassal League as well as the top 4 games from the October 22nd IC tournament. I also uploaded a new 2 minute skirmish guide for playing Darth Vader, so check that out if you're interested in those kind of quick tutorial videos. If you're a beginner skirmish player looking to get some games in against other new players at a similar skill level, we are taking signups for the beginner IACP skirmish league. Check the description for a link to the signup page. If you're interested in playing Imperial Assault at Adepticon in March 2023, uh, please leave a comment or send me an email at iacommand01 at gmail.com so I can get an idea of the interest level for that event. Alright, back to the show. Alright, and we are back. So, um, let's go through... We'll talk about some games we played in a second, but I thought we would go through our um, comms chatter first. So, we did have a comment on our last episode uh, by Geokami, and by the way, if you want to leave a comment and have it read on the air or a question answered on, on the episode, go ahead and leave a comment on the YouTube video or you can send an email to iacommand01 at gmail.com and you can find the link in the video description or in the episode notes. So uh, Geokami left, left, left us a comment on the last episode um, saying, I totally get the sentiment about the tier list and I agree with that stance. Uh, still navigating through the amount of new cards is daunting. Maybe in place of a tier list, uh, create a archetypes list or recommendation of lists like hunters uh, and what your main game plan is to do. So really appreciate Geokami leaving that comment. Um, this was in disc discussion last episode answering another viewer's question about uh, making tier lists and why I personally don't do it but I would not 
discourage players like uh, Wesley yourself making tier lists just because I feel like it would be putting my finger on the scales in terms of telling people what's good and what's not good as one of the designers. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, even something Geokami mentions, there's just so many, though, that it, it would take forever. I think, you know, something I thought is maybe, hey, maybe I could make a Season 7 deployments tier list and kind of narrow the field there of just, here's a bunch of stuff that's new. These are the best ones I can find. Go try that. I'm yeah. not going to spend four more hours getting the rest of IA. Because, yeah. I've seen your tier list for campaign, and, you know, even 20, 30 cards will take quite a while to go through all the ins and outs of them. Yes, sir. Um, but if you are interested in seeing um, examples of IACP lists, um, I actually have a website uh, that was supposed to be a forums, but it kind of ended up being a blog repository. Um, if you go to IA Command 01, uh, the IA Community Forums... I have been posting lists of the week uh, through early fall, so like August, September. I was posting pretty diligently, and you can find a lot of great list examples there. Uh, hoping to start posting again soon, but uh, just been a bit busy. So there is quite a buildup, though, of good list examples. And of course, you can also watch uh, my game log review videos to see lists that people are playing on those. I actually think the recent video you posted, the two-minute snippet of This Is How You Play Vader in IA, uh, is exactly the kind of thing that I think Chiyokami might be talking about as something that's helpful. Yeah, and uh, we will be posting, I'll hope to be posting more of those. They, they do take a bit of time to edit, so that's why it was a long time between my Han Solo and Vader video. I just... It's such a pain to sit down and edit those videos uh, when I could be making lots of uh, easy game log reviews, but uh, without, <laughs> since I didn't have a voice to talk this week, I decided I'd use my video-making time on that. Um, but I know people really like those, so I will try to make a, the next one sooner rather than later. Um, Alright, so let's talk about uh, some games we've played. So... It's been a good minute since our last episode. It's like two weeks. Um, so, Wesley, do you want to talk about any uh, games that you've played since we last uh, talked? So, yeah, I did appear in our most recent tourney about uh, two weeks ago and uh, lost all three games. was the 0-3 uh, guy of that tournament. And I was running my Scum Force users, which I personally like very much. Uh, however, uh, my opponents did not like them very much. Yeah, they were able to just kind of outrange and outmaneuver them for the most part. My first game was uh, against Herbie, and it was a pretty good back and forth, a good game. Uh, close. He was running, I think, Han, Leia, Luke. Uh, like kind of a rebel list with Han. And I made a... Big mistake round one. Uh, end of round, we had the Earth Group doors, but it was on the... can't remember the name, but I think it's Moss Eisley Back Alleys or something. One of those other maps that's in play right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, Moss Eisley Back Alleys. Yeah, Moss Eisley Back Alleys. Uh, and then the, the doors open end of round, and Han gets a shot on Shyla for free, and that was not... 
part of the game plan. <laughs> I tried very hard and played conservatively round one to not get shot by Han, and I think I did anyways. So I've got to learn learn to uh, respect those doors a little better. Um, and, you know, came close, but he was still able to just outmaneuver and outgun me. I think his Leia was able to run and hide when she was low on health and then start recovering with surges. Game two was a lot more fun. We were on Deveron Garrison, and I was playing against uh, Lucas, and he had brought a Jedi Force user list. And we just ran at each other and started beating the living crap out of each other. Uh, what was interesting, though, is the end of round one, I had taken out his Ahsoka and his Dabith, and I was hampering down on Mara next, and I was going to go after his Jedi Luke last. I wind up leaving Mara with one HP, and that is when he has Mara play Vanish, and Mara gets to run away scot-free, doing a lot of damage. And now I'm trying to fight Luke, and I just start falling for his defensive trap after defensive trap, and he's able to overcome me with just half of his army. And I basically ran out of steam blowing up his units round one. Uh, round three was a complete wash for me. I was up against Josh, and he had another take on the on Leia list. I don't think he brought Luke this time. But he had, I think, Cassian and Hera. He brought Saw, I believe. Uh, but this one was pretty bad. It was, again, on Moss Eisley's. I chased him down to his deployment zone, but he was very good at using the space to shoot at me and then hide where I could not get to him. I remember at one point I uh, had maybe zero cards in hand. I think he might have strat-shifted me. <laughs> But I go with Java, and I'm like, okay, I'll draw and focus. I draw into planning, and I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to focus. I just need more cards. I need some more movement. And I finally use planning to get a force rush. I'm like, okay, now in one more turn, I can send whichever one of my units it was after him. And then he's like, okay, well, now I'm going to intel leak, and you're not going to have force rush. And it was just pretty bad overall. I'm pretty sure my support units made more attacks that game than my actual units got to since their melee, and he was very good at stopping that. Well, yeah, you got to play against two Leolists, like you said. Yeah. Um, and I hear that those are the ones that went to go on to go one and two, so I was their <laughs> one victory. <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, I think, surprising for some people, just that uh, Leia's not uh, dominating like people thought she would. Um... Yeah, any other games you played other than the tournament? Uh, I have been trying a little bit with the raid mode. Uh, finally getting around to that. That's a solo. Doing that solo on the uh, FFG app. Got 96 on my first try of the uh, first raid, which is apparently four away from the platinum ranking. So I was pretty proud of that. Tried again. Tried to use a more cohesive team, but did a lot worse. I think I got like a 79 or 89 that time and basically wiped in the last round. But that's it in terms of, uh, for the most part, in games for the last couple of weeks for me. Still fun. Good fun. Yeah, that happened to me in Raid 2. I like did really well the first time, and then I like tried to actually design a team better and then got like a C or something. <laughs> I was like, what happened? <laughs> um, I did see your video, which is kind of what inspired me to make it. I don't know if you saw, I left a comment on your three-year-old Raid video. Um, but yeah, seeing that kind of made me go, you know what, let me try this when I had a free night. Nice. 
yeah, apparently I played that wrong. <laughs> I did a lot of things wrong, because it's really hard to keep track of all that stuff when you're playing by yourself and managing a bunch of physical components and a, and a video. <laughs> yeah, especially when you have, you know, units that have reaction abilities, like, I think my first time I played Mock, and I declared an attack and I rolled dice, and then I was like, oh, that doesn't kill. Oh, but if I was four away, it would kill. Oh, but I should have known that. Oh, but actually, with the movement I did use, I could have been in this spot, and it wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, I guess I could count that. I don't know. You know, it gets hard. Yeah. Yeah, when you're playing solo, it's very tempting to be like, well, I would have, so I'll just change this. Um, but then when if you're recording yourself doing it, you don't get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's you can you can but you get you get heat for it. Um, That's true. Let's see. So I have played my um my two uh top eight games for the league since we last talked um, with my saboteurs list that once again I stole from Kyle shamelessly. Um, but that list has been a lot of fun. Uh, the double sabs with. Cotoon, uh, just um, so so many interesting lines of play with that list where you're like, try, it feels like a a puzzle where you're like waiting for your opponent to leave somebody next to somebody else and then figuring out how you can use that to kill that figure, uh, or t both of those figures with the blast. Um, so I had some good had a good game against Blade and against. Morgan, and I'll be posting those uh, games up to the channel once I can get more time to record the commentary on those. Um, other than that, I think that's about it. Um, I had a really good time with the league with that list in general. Um, I'm kind of glad it's over. I am looking forward to taking a break. The weekly games are getting kind of... We're, we're, I don't know, it's hard to keep up, but now they're doing... Derek wants to do round robin now, so good luck to everybody who's going to play in the next league. You're going to be having to play, like, three or four matches a week to keep up with that. Well, it's it's not exactly like that. Uh, I think the idea is you have eight weeks to get in your eight games. And so, yeah, you can run two or three in a week. You do that two or three times, and you're done with your league. You just casual whenever you want uh yeah you but could, it's uh... not it's not eight games it's round robin is you play against every other player so uh they're they're attempting to i mean they're gonna basically make it number of weeks equals number of opponents you have but they're also planning to split it into pods if they get too many players uh, so okay. if you have 15 players you're only gonna have a pool of seven or eight players to round robin against got it oh right, yeah that would work and yeah, you can end a round robin early and challenge. Um, you just have to give everybody else a draw. <laughs> not been not been super happy with challenge, but it's what we got right now. So um, okay, so maybe we can uh, move on. I guess we have a rules question. This was um, rules question from I think two weeks ago, uh, but I haven't really seen any anything it's been pretty quiet in the rules chat actually um so i thought we could still talk about this one if we didn't already 
This was the question from Adam about adrenaline, uh, which was pertinent to his tournament list, his Wookiee list. And the question was, uh, and I guess I should bring the card up, but when you play adrenaline, um, when does the extra HP wear off? Does it wear off before other end of round effects happen, or does it wear off like at the very end of the round? Right, and I believe the ruling for that is it actually does last through the end of the entire round. Uh, there are other end-of-round cards that don't work that way, but it's because of the way this one is worded. Yeah, so if you have a card that says during this round uh, with a persistent effect, that effect persists all the way up until the start of the next round. And that means it goes through all end-of-round effects like Han's end-of-round attack or any other kind of end-of-round effect. Um, versus if you have a card that says um, until the end of the round and I'm trying to find one uh, that type of effect will end before you get to end step effects so so for example I'm sh I was showing right now Shadow Ops says until the end of the round the opposing player cannot play command cards well if they have a end of round command card um, they would be able to play it that round because Shadow Ops will end before end of round effects happen. Yeah. So it's until the start of the end of the round, if it's worded like this. Mm -hmm. But I know yeah. we do have some more popular cards that fit in this category, uh, which is why the question was asked about Adrenaline, since it's a little different. Sure, like a more popular card is like... Um... Cavalry Charge, which I guess this is not the current ICP one, but if we look at the current one, uh, it says well actually we changed that one, so that's a good example. Cavalry Charge used to say, until the end of the round, you gain plus one block. So that meant that if you got if Taro played this and then got attacked by Han or Vader at the end of the round, he wouldn't get that plus one block. And in ICP, we mm -hmm. changed the wording to during this round, you gain plus one block for the reason of we wanted it to still be active during end of round attacks. Right. Right? Yeah. So so there you go. <laughs> well, right. if you uh, want, it looks like I posted a question during the tournament that we could uh, redress on here for the viewers. Oh yeah, what's that? So we had a very tense moment. I I don't remember which game this was in, but it was if you have Han Solo and you use On the Lamb, or any smuggler really, uh, but your opponent plays Parting Blow, does the figure with Parting Blow get focus for the Parting Blow attack? Ah, uh, yeah, so we'll look at Parting Blow, but the, um, the real card that needs to be looked at here is the focus condition, mm -hmm. which is... Um, the focus condition specifically says when you perform an attack add a green die to your dice pool and then the second part says after you resolve an attack discard this condition so in the case of on the lamb and parting blow if you have a focus brawler that's attacking Han um, they'll 
they'll, they're declaring the attack, and then on the lamb is played during the attack. Uh, the attack is still resolving, the first attack, and then when Han tries to step away, the brawler can play parting blow to interrupt to perform an attack targeting Han. So now you have basically what is a nested attack, where you have the parting blow attack is happening inside the attack steps for the first attack. Because that first attack has not resolved yet, um, you have not met the conditions to discard focus, because it says after this, after you resolve an attack, discard this condition. Because of that, the figure is still focused, and they still will add a green die when they perform an attack with a parting blow. Um, and then, let's say, for example, that the first attack would then keep resolving for some reason. Like, let's say Han just didn't move out of range for some reason. The first attack will still have the green die added, um, even though you would discard the focus condition after you resolve the parting blow attack. Um, because the first attack already started, you already added the green die, you don't remove the green die just because you discard the focus condition from the second attack. Oh, that's interesting. So you could get two focuses out of this one focus in that unique situation if the opponent does not run out of your attack range and if you somehow overcome that stun before that part of low attack, you know, cuts mm -hmm. off the regular attack. Yep. And, um... Well, guys, there's your new meta. Go figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> Which, I mean... Double focus, focus. It's been a thing for a while. Because um, we've... That on-the-land parting blow has been an interaction since those cards came out. Uh, and then mm -hmm. I brought Greedo up on screen because it's this is an important thing to know for Greedo. Um, this interaction with focus. This is why when you're attacking with Greedo, you should always... Um, do resolve your slow on the draw if you're gonna if you're if you're resolving that um, you should always resolve slow on the draw first to see if Greedo dies uh, before you play something like tools or element or actually I guess element yeah before you play tools or element because those are on declare and the reason for that is um, and we're assuming Greedo's focused here if mm -hmm. Greedo uh, dies before he resolves his first attack, uh, he is st he hasn't resolved that first attack yet, so focus will not be discarded when he goes to make his parting shot attack. Mm. So he'll still be focused. So here's the example, right? Greedo attack Han with focus uh, when you uh, you have slow on the draw is when you declare an attack trigger. So you can choose to resolve that or to play t something like tools. So you do slow on the draw first. Then you go through the whole steps of attacking with Han. Han attacks mm -hmm. Greedo. Han kills Greedo. Now we're still in the deal damage step of that second slow on the draw attack. <clears throat> Greedo now gets to attack with parting shot. Greedo is still focused because he didn't discard his focus yet. Uh, so now he's making a second parting shot, focused attack on whoever, and now that's when you would want to play uh, Tools for the Job, or something like Element of Surprise. Because if you played it before you resolve slow on the draw, you won't have it in your hand to use on the parting shot attack. Mm 
Yeah. So I think the key here is that a lot of effects in the game, like tools for the job or death blow for melee figures or using a power token, they apply on Declare to the specific attack you're making. Focus applies to every attack you make until you resolve an attack. Yep, exactly. All right. I think we've stuck on this topic for a little while, so do you want to move on to the uh, main topic? All right, let's get into our main topic here, which is data. So we have had now, since the Season 7 competitive play started, we have now had uh, two tournaments uh, and a league that lasted five weeks and is now currently in the top eight, top four um, phase. And a lot of uh, just game logs that have been sent in by players uh, for us to add to our data set. And so I thought it would be good to kind of go over that data. Um, and so I kind of want to go over like some of the key things about the data. And I don't want to, we're not going to like get really into the weeds and go over, go over every single card's like win rate and all that stuff. We're just going to kind of cover general things like factions, balance, activation count, and then we'll look at what are the most popular cards uh, being played in each faction up to now. And I think that will be interesting and enlightening for a lot of people who are interested in um, IACP competitive play. Um, so, I'm not, I'm going to have just the cards up on screen um, for those watching on the video, but I'll, we'll be calling out the data. I'll also be sharing the data sheet that I'm using and that we're looking at for this episode. Um, and this is current up to October 24th is when I got my last batch from a bunch of people. And then it also includes the results that we've gotten from the top eight and top four of the league games. Um, so um, yeah, this should give us a good idea of where, you know, kind of what we're seeing in today's meta, and you know, if there's some popular characters, whether new or old, that you're wanting to see how they're doing, we can kind of touch on those and see how good they're doing right now. It's basically what this is more about. Yep, exactly. Um, and it can be can be a little overwhelming, so it's good to kind of go through it just to touch yeah. the key points. Yeah, I had a 20-minute tutorial with uh, Noah here <laughs> on how to look at the sheet before we started recording. Yep. So just to kind of go through some key things to talk about, this is data from 90 games, which is not actually that many games if you really look at other games and see their data sets. But, you know, Imperial, we're, we're a small community, so... This is what we have, uh, 90 games sampled uh, from, I believe it was 22 players total. Um, so again, small small group of players submitting game logs. Um, mm -hmm. And the way we're going to be looking at this is, and this is what I was sharing with um, Wesley, is we're going to be looking at the most popular cards. And the way we rank that is uh, based on unique lists played in. And what the def definition for that is, uh, a card is in a, a a list is unique if it's the same composition of cards in the forty point list, give or take one point. Uh, also, the same player 
and also the same event. So as an example, let's say um, Wesley played in two different tournaments, but he played the same exact list. Uh, well, that list and each of those cards would count as having two unique uses, uh, because even though it was the same player and the same list, it was two different events, so that gets counted twice. Um, also worth noting is that duplicate cards in a list do not add to its play. So like if you have three Imperial Officers in your list, that just counts as one instance of Imperial Officers being used in a list. Mm -hmm. um, so let's dive in here. I think we'll start off with, and I think, let me um, move this sheet over to where folks can see it. I want to, I want people to actually be able to see. Okay, so let's start off with um, some faction stats. So looking at, I think this will be interesting for a lot of people, right? Um, if you look at the factions, we have uh, the meta share and the win rate here. So rebels are currently uh, taking up 41.57% of lists in the meta, so they are the most popular faction. Uh, Empire is at 25.84%, so least popular, and in the middle is Scum at 32.58%. Now, interestingly, hasn't is special or in season six wasn't Rebels the least popular faction? Yeah. So going back to season six, um, give me just a second while I pull this up. Um, they were, and I think that was uh, because Scum was so popular. So uh, actually, yeah. no, they weren't the least popular. They were tied with. They were actually the most popular. They're tied with Scum, and Empire was the least popular at twenty-five point six eight percent. Interesting. Oh, I always had a feeling that Rebels had been kind of underrepresented in this game as a whole uh, until recently. Um, I think they've struggled with power level for sure, and we, I think we see that in the win rates too. If people look, you can see that um, despite being the most popular faction this season, uh, Rebels have actually been trailing. They're at 45.57% win rate, with um, Empire and Scum tied at 53 point, basically 53.5% win rate. Now, that's mm -hmm. still pretty good. Um, like honestly based on again you have to remember a small sample size so there is some variability in the numbers here where if we increase the sample size we would probably see a, a further trend towards 50 percent but seeing it all the factions being within five percent of 50 percent win rate like that's actually really good in terms of balance goals um, that's kind of where we want things to be Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be nice if Rebels were winning a little bit more, but um, again, this is also, I should mention, that the data we're looking at here and the sort of generalizations that get made here, this is not, like, these are not universal truths. These are a representation of the games, the 90 games that were played by these 22 players that were submitted to me for analysis. So, this is, this these numbers are a representation of this particular meta, um, not for like just general truisms about these cards as and factions. Uh, 
as a whole, right? If you played another 90 games, you might get completely different results. Yep. And these are newer cards that we're, we're dealing with, too. So I'm sure over time things will change. You know, when we get another 90 games, people will discover more. Exactly. So like in Season 6, I think uh, Rebel Salvadors became really popular around the midpoint. I started seeing them pop up out of nowhere and demolishing everything else. <laughs> yeah, and they've been getting played this season too. Um, oh yeah, they definitely have. Before that, let's talk about... Um, I think another thing that people were really interested in was activation counts. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to scroll down here. So we have the, the counts, which is not particularly helpful, but uh, a better way to look at it is percentage of lists and, and their activations. Um, and you guys can't see it on the screen, but I have it the Season 6 data open here, so I can help us compare. But um, looking at the activation count, we see for Rebels, uh, about an even split, split between 8 and 7 activations, uh, which makes up about 83% of lists. And then um, about 10% running six activations and 5% running five activations. Now I'm going to turn it over to you to talk about this, but comparing to season six, it's actually pretty close, except uh, eight, 44% had eight activations and 39% had seven activations in season six. So slightly trending more towards eight activations back in season six. Uh, but then you had a similar 7% with 6 activations, 4% with 5 activations, and 4% with 9 activations. So um, what's your take on the Rebel activation count here, Wesley? thing in Season 6, they actually had a little, like, trended a little higher. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had actually been under the impression that Rebels especially were trending even more towards 8 plus activations in this season. So that's uh, actually a shock to me. Um, we're going to talk later about Saw Gerrera being a popular figure, and I thought with a new four-point figure, one of the things that he's good at is actually helping to pad out the number of activations in a list. Uh, so I'm a little shocked to see that, you know, we are looking at these numbers that say, yeah, uh, Rebels are actually trending down a little bit. Yep, and I think um, something to note, though, is I think the, well, I think we'll just let's talk about uh, Empire and Scum here, and then we can kind of compare everything. Mm -hmm. So um, Empire is 13% running 8 activations, with, but the most of them are running 7 or 6, so there's actually an even split between 7 and 6 activations. 39% each, so that's about 78% of Empire lists are at 6 or 7. And then we've got 8.7% running 4 activations. And I should mention that I count, um, I subtract an activation for Lion Ambush. So if a list has like 5 deployment cards, but it's running Lion Ambush, I count that as a 4 activation list. Um, and then well, and then comparing that to Season 6, um, actually pretty much the same. It was trending more towards 6 acts, though, with 38% running 6, 31% running 7. Uh, a lot less 8 activation lists uh, in Season 6, and more 5 and 4, and even a couple 3 activation lists uh, in Season 6. 
Um, so I think that I'll say that the eight activation lists I think are a result of um, the purge commanders lending themselves to eight activations, and then I think um, some tarot two back swarms with elite uh, death troopers also having eight activations. <laughs> yeah, I also think uh, the regular perch troopers, too. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely helping the Empire trend up in activations. They still seem to be on the lower end overall, but, you know, it's something they've always struggled with, is having these low-cost, useful activations, unless you're going to stuff three or four Imperial officers in your list. <laughs> uh, usually don't get too many. Um, so it is good that not only do we have perch troopers and commanders added to the meta, uh, like you said, we also see Death Troopers a little more kind of padding things out. And I think part of that might be like the Dubax form you said, but maybe another aspect is because the Death Troopers also have the Purge Troopers and Commanders to play off of and support, that's a lot of low activation cost or low point activations you can put in a list nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Um, in general, I think we're seeing... I'm kind of looking at the two data sets here. Um, it looks like we're seeing activations trending... Oh, I, I didn't go over Scum yet, sorry. Um, so let's talk about Scum. So we actually have, like, I think there were two lists that were ten activations. Those are Jawa Swarms, just to mention that. Um, and then we have, again, another even split between 8-ax and 7-ax with 37.9%. So about 74% of scum lists are 8 or 7 activations. And then 10% are 6, and 6.9 are 5. Um, and I think the 5 activations are... I'm not sure. I think the 6-acts were like your, your brawler lists. Actually, mine run 7. Oh, yours is 7. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what is the um, six activation less than at least for now they run seven um, but yeah generally it looks like so back in season six only 14% of scum lists were at eight 45% were at seven uh, and the rest was kind of it was kind of a bell curve out from seven activations with 23% running six acts six percent running five four point nine running four and then the other way, again, 14% um, running 8, 4% running 9, and 1% with 10 activations. So it seems Scum is consolidating back towards a more 8 to 7 activation count. Yeah, I think a um, good way to put that is Rip Mando. Yeah, um, I know that, that um, Herbie's Rancor list is uh, 8 activations. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what else would be um, that low 5 activation number. I see a lot of people just running a lot of like smugglers mixed with hunters, mixed with support, and I don't put together a cohesive theme in my head of what they're doing, but they just pump in a bunch of activations and run around and do a lot of scum things. So I've seen quite a bit of that in my experience. Yeah, so let's yeah, let's get into the other thing I wanted to look at was top cards played by faction. So if mm -hmm. I scroll over here, here we go. 